to talk tonight about um, something that uh, I dare say has always been on my mind a bit since I came to the Lord, and that is that um, hopefully there's no hierarchy in our fellowship of people that are more important than somebody else. And we know that the Lord just turned to First Corinthians chapter eight. We know that uh, it's something that uh, the Lord. I'll change that to Romans chapter twelve. Sorry, I'll just read that other one myself. Um, we just know that it was something that came up quite a bit in the Word. You come to realise how much the Lord hated anybody that sort of wanted to vaunt themselves or exalt themselves or in some ways make themselves more important than somebody else. A couple of scriptures from the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 19 says, Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And again in the same chapter verse 5, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. So, wow, that's hitting it pretty heavy. So that's how much God hates that. Um, again, I'll just quote from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now, as touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. And then the main point I'm making tonight, knowledge puffeth up, but love or charity edifieth. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. So we just see here that uh, that's something that came up again right there in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? What was the three things? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And uh, we just see that pride, being proud, is something that... um, well, the Lord just despises. So in Romans chapter 12, and just in verse 1, we'll read it together. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's the main thrust of what I'm saying tonight. What does God like and what does God hate? Do we, we don't want to live a life and find out later on it's what God hated. It's not what God wanted at all, whether we talk about our own individual walk in the Lord or our, our overall fellowship and how it's organised. We know when we look at that a bit later how much the Lord laced into the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the way they were doing it. And he, he hated the way they were doing it. He's saying to us, don't you do that. So we want to find out... I'll read it again. We want to prove what is good, what's acceptable, and what is perfect uh, according to God's will. And then in verse 3 it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to God, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So again, that, that warning, don't encroach on this area. If you want to be proud, don't be proud about yourself. As we sing in the hymn, we want to be proud about the Lord. We want to be proud about God. We want to be proud about Jesus and proud about the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Well, well-known little story here of an example of pride and what can happen. Daniel chapter 4. At the end of 12 months, he walked, this is Nebuchadnezzar, walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon, And the king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? 
by the might of my power and for the honour of my majesty. And while the words were in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times will pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair was grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird, and goes on. But anyhow, what we see is that's what God thinks of pride. And maybe the main thought I've got in all of this is don't take glory from God that belongs to God. Don't try and share some of that glory. Don't sort of be, as it were, I might say, giving a testimony, but you sort of realise after a while you sort of almost pushed the Lord out of it and you've sort of pushed yourself in. It was my prayer. It was my faith. It was my talking to that person. All of a sudden you, in the te- you might not even know you're doing it. You're starting to share the glory with the Lord. You're almost sort of saying, well, that happened, you know. I hear people sometimes talk about praying for somebody as though they had a special way that they prayed, prayed and therefore that's why the person got healed. You're robbing God of his glory. We want to give God 100%, all the people said. We don't want to come into it at all. We don't want to be involved in taking any of that glory. Job chapter 1. Just talking to Ian and Sally a minute ago. And Ian brought up this verse. He didn't know that I was going to preach on it tonight. Job chapter 1 and just the story of Satan coming forth. It's a peculiar story. And I won't try to think and fathom the whole thing out. I'll just grab a bit of a point from it. Job chapter 1 verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man and one that feareth God and stewardeth evil? Just the way the devil said in answer to that, Oh, I can just wander throughout the earth. I can walk here. I can do, I, I'm a free agent. I can do what I like, is really what he's saying. I'm in control of planet earth. He was cast out, as we know, onto planet earth. So he's sort of boasting. And then the Lord said, well, you're not as in control as you think you are. You're boasting about how you can do whatever you like. What about Job? And then we know the whole story of the poor old Job had to prove a point. But we just know that uh, that sort of arrogance, and that's we gather from the few little bit we have on the devil that when he was Lucifer and uh, one of the, uh, the chief angels, the thing that brought him down was pride and he was more beautiful than the others and so on and so forth. So there you are. We don't want to go that way where we boast and where we bring ourselves into the limelight. Um, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 23. Can anybody tell me what time I started? Eight o two. Gosh, that was eight minutes ago. I'll have to finish in about three minutes. That's not going to happen. 
Matthew chapter 23. But all their works, talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, but all their works they do, Matthew 23 verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, they enlarge the borders of their garments, and they love the uttermost rooms of feasts and the chief seats in the synagogue and greetings in the markets and called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Uh, and then he said, Be, but be not ye like them, is what he's saying. I don't want you to be like them, to be called Rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ, all ye, and all ye are brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So again, we not, you don't have to go very far in the word of God to find how much the Lord hates us doing that or exalting it. And, and usually it is the, the leaders. The leaders want to be more important. They want to stand out. But even amongst the leaders, they want to stand out. So you start off, I was just thinking about the old Anglican church that I came out of. So the minister was called Reverend. But there was somebody above him called the Right Reverend. Then somebody above him was the Very Right Reverend. And then that wasn't good enough. The one above him was the Most Very Right Reverend. Each one outdoing the other, making themselves more important. The Holy Father, all these grandiose names. The Lord said, please don't do that. Don't be like that. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. Luke 18 verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican, a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee, I'm not as other men are, I'm not like this peasant over there, extortioners, unjust and adulterers, or even as this publican. And Ray gave a little list of how good he was. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes under heaven. And he smote upon his, his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Again, that statement. So, um, as I said, you want any evidence of what God thinks about that when we do that? Well, he's not happy with that at all. And the Pharisee didn't get anywhere, did he? Let's turn to Mark chapter 9. And while you turn to Mark chapter 9, I'll just read a bit out of the book of Matthew chapter 18 for those that are taking down scriptures. And verse Mark in a minute is going to be the same. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little, as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall receive one such little child, in my name receiveth me. But whosoever offereth, offendeth one of these little ones which believeth in me, it were better for him that he 
that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. So who is the greatest? You know, there was a man a few years ago who said he was the greatest. Muhammad Ali. If you remember that day when he first won the heavyweight boxing, well, I think he won it three times in the end, but he won it the first time that he won it. And he danced around saying, I am the greatest. I tell you what, nobody disputed it. Nobody argued with him after they saw the way that he fought. But unfortunately, he is flesh and blood. As the years rolled by, that wasn't there, was it? It's like it is with all of us. So to exalt ourselves in any way in comparison to God is a crazy thing to do. So very similar to what we read, but in the book of Mark chapter 9, and in verse 33, and he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what was, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves, who should be the greatest? And he sat down and he called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desireth to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said, Whosoever shall receive one of these such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me but him that sent me. So that debate, who's, who's the greatest? Maybe it's gone on forever. Maybe in any place of importance, maybe at your work, the one-upmanship, the one trying to outdo the other. It's everywhere where people want to be important. And often they do it by some sort of title. Or when I, from the day I came to the Lord and I heard that the, the oversight were called pastors and that was it, I was very happy with that. We know the word pastor means a shepherd. Uh, somebody likened us under a sheepdog, rounding up the sheep. I'm happy with that. But we've got to be careful even with the word pastor. That we suddenly decide that's not quite describing my importance. So we start saying, saying I'm, I'm a senior pastor. That makes others pastors junior. Or I'm the principal pastor. I don't like those titles. I just like pastor. Not saying for one minute that some pastors don't do things different to other pastors. Maybe if you're a pastor running a small assembly compared with a pastor that's running a thousand people, there is a difference. But you don't have to do it with the title. Just point that out. Pastor so-and-so who runs an assembly of a thousand people or something like that. We can, we can do that. You know, when Peter, when Paul went to Jerusalem, he said he sought it, he sought, looked out, um, Peter and James, the Lord's half-brother, but they seem to be the principles or the pillars of the church. Nothing wrong with that. But they were just what they were, but they had a bigger responsibility. We don't, want to, we don't want to change that. We've avoided things like bishop. Why? Because the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church have wrecked the word bishop. Somebody very important and lifted up. We don't even use the word apostle. We might even have apostles in our fellowship. But the moment you call somebody an apostle, wow, very important. Which mostly shouldn't be like that, but that's the, that's the way it is. So overall, in, in my walk in the Lord, I just like a pastor, means a shepherd, basic, and so on. Even evangelists. Um, we have many evangelists in our fellowship, male and female, out there witnessing and so on. Joe blogs an evangelist. That's the way we describe it. It's a better way to go. People that represent the Lord. So 
We know that God hates it if we in any way exalt ourselves or exalt the oversight. Not putting the oversight down. I'm going to look at a scripture on that in a minute. But it's what I'm looking through the eyes of somebody in, in leadership that they start to um, get in the way, is the way I put it. Um, just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 while I read a little bit from Acts chapter 12. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of man. Trouble is he, but he reckoned he believed that in his heart. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. The title of my talk tonight is Don't Share the Glory. Give it all to God. And he was eaten of worms. Wow. Don't want to do that. I'll suffer with that. And gave up the ghost. Now in 1 Corinthians and uh, in chapter 15, uh, verse uh, 9. For I am the least of the apostles. This is how Paul looked upon himself. That I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He's not boasting, he's just stating a fact. But I laboured laboured more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God. So even there where he's sort of saying what he did, he said, but in the end it wasn't me, it was of the Lord. I love Paul because of his humility. said at one point that he was a lousy preacher, I can relate to that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, his speech wasn't all that crash hot. But he was a humble guy, and yet he, he could have easily been very proud and arrogant, but he wasn't. Um, just turn to Ephesians chapter 4, while I read a couple of other stories. In Acts chapter 10, we have the story of Peter coming into Cornelius. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. He wouldn't allow it for one second. And yet he was supposed to be the first pope. And again, when you look at that, how dreadful that is, that worshipping of people and so on and so forth. And then later on in the, in the uh, book of Revelation, when John did it to an angel, John who wrote the book of Revelation, I, I John, saw these things and heard them. And what I'd heard and seen, I fell down to worship before God, before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, we're in this together, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of the, this, book, this book. And the last two words were, Worship God. You want to worship somebody, worship God. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, well known verse. We talked about the oversight. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. They're there for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the, of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, again, great. I, I like that from the day I came to the Lord. Coming out of the Anglican church was all this hierarchy the local guy was called a pastor. In the first, in the first few uh, weeks that I was in the Lord, the uh, first few years that I was in the Lord, we always referred only to the surname, Pastor Longfield, Pastor Coleman, Pastor Hollands, Pastor Mullins, who was our first. We didn't use the Christian names. So things have changed a bit over the years. But um, 
I think the thing to point out, and the oversight must realise, hopefully they do realise, it's not a title, it's a ministry. You're there to shepherd the sheep. You're there to guide them. It's not some title of importance. Well, if it is, it's the lowest one you can get. Just the shepherd. That's what you are. Um, Let's turn to um, uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Just a couple more verses before we close. And while you're turning to Hebrews 13, I'll read a couple of verses out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Then... Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Then later on in the same chapter, verse 32, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. We obey God. It's what God says, what the Bible says that we obey, but there's a bit of confusion of Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 17, Obey them which have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. So a little bit, mis- not a little bit, greatly misused at time in the world of Christendom is this verse of where the oversight say, You must obey me. Well, it's, not, it's actually a different word. If you look up the Greek for the two words that I read in the book of Acts, That's a different word to the one here. Here it's more, you should set an example. You should do it by your life and by by persuasion from the word of God. Not, you are not the word of God. You're not equal to the word of God. But as I said, at times down through history of Christianity, and I'm sure it'll always go on, people grab this verse to oppress their people and say, you must obey me. Well, that is wrong. And we know many of us went through a horrible split back in 94 and 95, and that scripture was used, you must obey, and that is misused. We, we, Peter said it very clearly, we obey God. We don't obey men. What we want the oversight to do is to support the word of God, not to replace the word of God. For if they're, whatever they're saying, they want support from the word of God. And then it goes on to say, because if they do it that way, they're doing it for your good. They're doing it for your soul. And you as a person receiving that should recognise that and acknowledge that they're there to guide and lead you to, to the truth. Uh, just in um, Timothy's, First Timothy, a couple more verses. I nearly ran out of time. In actual fact, I have, but you don't know that. First Timothy chapter 5. Where it says in verse 1, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honour, especially that they that labour in word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth... I like the fact that we're likened unto ox. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labourer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So it's not saying... I don't want there to be any disrespect saying, oh, well, I don't have to obey you. You know, it says, you know, Pastor Jacques said, I don't have to or whatever way you want to put it. That's the different way. It's how the oversight looks at themselves as being above the word of God and very important. But then how do people look at the oversight? It's saying that we should have double honour for those who lay down the other. And I reckon that goes throughout the whole fellowship, not just the oversight, not the pastors, the house leaders, the young people's leaders, the Sunday school teachers, go on and on and on. The people stick out their neck and labour for the Lord. They're worthy of honour, double honour for what they do. And I think most of us certainly see it that way. Now, nearly done. 
Um, turn to Romans chapter 12, just to finish. And while you turn to Romans chapter 12, um, just in Galatians, it says, chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So if we're talking about importance, nobody is more important than anybody. We might have different ministries, and we do. But when the word importance comes in, we're all equal before God. So nobody is going to get a reward from God if you vaunt yourself, if you push yourself as being somebody more important than somebody else. You've read, we've read enough tonight to say God hates that. God hates that with a vengeance. Um, here's an important verse just to finish on. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, or don't, don't shout a trumpet. He that ruleth with diligence, with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. That's a good word to finish my talk on, cheerfulness. We've all got different ministry. You're not in the Lord very long before you find out where you sort of niche fit you can, you can get involved in. Um, I'm going to quote from a very famous person in our fellowship who once gave me some great advice when I was sort of being a little bit, I thought, humble and sort of putting myself down a bit and so on and so on. And this very famous person in the fellowship said, don't be so humble that you don't do what God has called you to do. Oh, wow, that's good. Do you know who that famous person was? My mother. 